Hello! It's Project Jeeves, a first ever kind of time podcast with this. I am Sean Lathrop, and I mean, I just wanted to do this because I thought it'd be fun. That's about it. <laughs> uh, joining me with this kind of venture of sorts, one of my closest friends, been friends with him for about, well, I think we say 16 years. Does that sound about right? A couple of years. At least two years for sure. <laughs> it I just is. Met you. It is Jesse Martinez or Jesse J. Mar. What, what do you want to be called, Jesse? We never talked about that. What do you mean? Like, do you want me to call you by your real name? Or do you want me to just call you Jesse? Sure. Sure. All right. It's Jesse. <laughs> Jesse works. Also joining me for this little venture, one of the other, one of the five or whatever, if they stick around, we'll find out more about that in the future. A uh, guy who's been friends with a few years, a massive wrestling fan, and has perhaps one of the thickest beards I've met, well, at least in picture. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Mr. Eric G. Eric Gavilana is over here, live, live, and in color. Yeah, I did not want to try that last name. At yeah, all. I figured you weren't going to. I, like, <laughs> I totally understand. People see that and they say, Gavilanes, uh, Gavilanes, like, it, it, don't hurt yourself. It's fine. It's copy. <laughs> so a lot's happened last week. We were trying to do some sort of episode or podcast and we ended up really just doing a lot of testing for this, which, you know, it's completely fine. This is going to be actually the first episode of recording it live on YouTube as well. So if you happen to be listening live, thank you so much. But one of the things we really wanted to talk about was really nerd culture, just having to find about stuff that we personally enjoy and just kind of talk to each other, maybe other people as well. And one of the big things as far as quote unquote nerd culture has been the Dragon Ball Super movie, the Broly movie. And uh, I know, Eric, you were a big fan of Dragon Ball up until the Cell Saga. Jesse, you watched all of Dragon Ball Z. I think you watched all of Dragon Ball too, correct? And GT. And GT. I, I keep forgetting about GT, but you, I think. Everyone does. Yeah. <laughs> but you, I think you and I both watched, no, you watched all GT. I watched like two, two of the sagas of GT, the Android 17 and the Baby Saga. And with this new movie coming out, it really turned a lot of heads. So I opened up to you, Jesse, immediately with. Broly being a character you always enjoyed in the movies and now being very different of sorts, how'd you really feel about this film? Uh, I thought the movie was done pretty well. Uh, it gave more of a setup to the current story. The, the action in it was really good. I don't really see how they could ever top what they did in this movie. The character Broly is still pretty annoyingly dumb, but He's still fun to watch. And, yeah, overall, I'd say it was definitely worth seeing in theaters. And they really changed it, though, compared to what it was before with Broly. I mean, you said annoyingly dumb. And the difference with this one and the previous was that it seemed like the previous Broly we saw in the movies, he was intelligent until well at least he was able to form a full sentence <laughs> until he went uh the legendary super saiyan form essentially and this one he was just a pretty much a child's brain in a buff body it feels like uh, i don't really remember him having much to say in the the broly movies that came before but at least in this movie, they explain why he doesn't have much to say. True. And I think in the older movies, he really just doesn't say much. I think he he grunted a couple times. He was a Probably. lot more of an angrier ba ba baby, for sure. <laughs> for sure, yeah. Uh, were you about to say something there, Eric? Oh, no. I was even thinking about like comparing him to... like. The kind of stereotypical, the stereotype of the you know more brawn than brain, you know that type of deal, and even um had a bit of a flashback with some of the other movies that he's been in, such as you know the classic one, the legendary Super Saiyan, and one that I always forget about, Bio Brawley. It's good to forget that. It's like yeah, <laughs> but like uh, I forget what the name of the second Broly movie was. Return of Broly. 
It was um Brawley the Legendary Super Saiyan, um Brawley's second coming, and then we got Bio Brawley. That's gross. But <laughs> Yeah, Brawley's second coming it was even a good film except for the entire Trunks upsets him by peeing on him joke essentially or goats and I can't remember which one actually peed on Broly. But they as Jesse said, you they've really flushed out this character to the point that he you kind of felt for him a lot. He was a lot more interesting character. He's a lot more exciting character. They gave him like the Thanos treatment almost compared to like the Avengers, where Thanos was a pure villain, but now it's just like he's a villain, but you can kind of see his struggle at the same time. Which that is a pretty good comparison right there, because like you just go from like you just mentioned like he just got pissed on in another movie and now he's actually taken I guess seriously, especially in the canon role that he's in when it comes to this movie. That, that okay, we actually have you know a major villain on our hands and we're gonna treat him with the respect that he deserves to have. Jesse, well, I I didn't want to spoil anything. So is this spoiler free? Uh commentary of this movie i will say we can go uh with spoilers it's fine and we'll, and now that we even said the word spoiler before we said any real spoilers go for it too so stop listening now if you want <laughs> well i didn't really see broly as a, a villain in this movie there was clearly some uh kindness i i would say that was uh directed towards goku as he was leaving like when he said he wanted to come back and fight some more mm-hmm uh, show him some techniques that he needs to learn. Uh, he smiled, you know. He didn't. He wasn't like, "Oh man, I this guy comes back, I'm gonna rip his head off." But I wouldn't say he was a villain, really. He didn't he was... do anything villainous to me, except for just fight Goku, which everyone does that. So, I... <laughs> and that's something uh, I can really attribute super and really. Dragon Ball and really almost all of cinema and TV has been trying to do lately. They've been trying to make Frieza more flushed out. They try to make Jiren and Hit and Super more flushed out, more relatable. Uh, like I said earlier with Thanos, the idea of that making these villains far more interesting to make it better. But with Broly, like I kind of enjoy the fact that I, I liked him, but like the monster that he was in the original movies where he said, I'm not a monster, I'm the devil. Like, that was such an amazing line in the previous series that I kind of missed that he was just this unstoppable freak of nature versus this kind of child in a monster's body. I mean, I could see that, but I, I enjoy that he's more human than some mindless monster that... Like, there was no character. There was nothing to like, really, about Broly in the first movie, except for the fact that he was really strong and yeah. could beat everyone up pretty easily. Outside yeah, of that, his, there was nothing physique, really to like. Oh, I'm sorry. I was like, I was just saying, like, his physique really set him apart from a lot of the villains at the time, because who was really that, you know, ripped and giant as he was during the uh, times when those movies came out? Not really, not many people. I think the only person that almost reached that was, like, when. Trunks unknowingly was handicapping himself by making him really strong and yeah. buff and going into that ascended Super Saiyan or I believe that's what it's called but it was Broly like not quite as much but it was like Broly size like and so even pointed out that he was only inflating his muscles but wasn't really keeping up with speed while Broly was I guess you could say doing the same thing Trunks was, but still being a very threatening force. Well, that just boils down to, uh, like, what do you want to see more of? It's just like this action with this character that you don't care about where versus this movie where there's definitely something to like about the character. Mm-hmm. And honestly, they could have done something more like they really made Paragus in the previous films, wanted revenge on Vegeta. And they made that abundantly clear in this film as well, that that was his main goal, to to kill King uh, Vegeta's heir, Prince Vegeta. His heir? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But in this one, they made it seem like it wasn't Broly. Broly didn't want to kill Goku because he cried a lot. He was simply a weapon for his father. That was it. 
Paragus was awful in this movie and awful in the last movie. The only thing I wish that would have happened was that he got into a cat, uh, what is that, like an escape pod kind of thing, and Broly crushes him in the in the pod. I kind of wish that would have happened again, but. Now, how did Paragus die in the last films? Do you remember? Either one of you? In the older one? Yeah. He realizes he has no control over Broly anymore, and he gets in a pod to escape, and Broly finds him getting into the pod and crushes him to death in the po- uh, in the pod, and then takes the pod and chucks it at a moon or a planet that's nearby or about to crash into mm-hmm. fake planet Vegeta. Damn. And then that, that was brutal, and I was like, oh, man, imagine if they would have done that with a... Uh, with the technology that they have today, that would have been really sweet looking, but oh well. I mean, I did like the fact that, and a little bit getting away from Broly, because there was a lot of characters in this that we got to see. For example, Boma had a strong role, and Boma in general in Super has had a far bigger role than she did in the last two major arcs of Dragon Ball Z. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also saw the return of some characters, and some characters I know you're a big fan of, Jesse. The Ginyu Force, Zarbon, Dodoria, uh, Raditz, Nappa. I actually thought the cast was pretty weak. The, the only main characters that were really there was Goku, Vegeta, kind of Piccolo. Just a cameo, really. He didn't yeah. do anything. He, he uh, had less screen there was no time. no Z-Fighters. It felt like uh, Piccolo had less lines than Raditz, to be honest. That's not good. <laughs> No, not at all. <laughs> but it was still nice to see the Ginyu Force and Dodoria and Zarbon, even though it didn't have lines. Seeing Nappa and Raditz interact, because these were characters that we kind of saw a little bit, and I feel like uh, for some of us that did watch Team Four Star, I know you don't watch Dragon Ball Abridged, uh, really enjoyed what they did with Nappa and seeing him again on the screen. Well, yeah, it was cool, but like I said, it would have been cool to see more characters uh the cameos were definitely fun to see and but it would have been interesting to see the other uh saiyans show up or just any of the z fighters really like krillin tian yamcha whatever right no that would be cool would they have really survived in that movie probably not no no they would have been (laughs) inconveniences for sure but I see what you're saying. Like in the first Broly movie, we literally had Master Roshi challenging Broly to a fight. He was kind of drunk, I think. He was, yes. <laughs> there was something that I wanted to bring up. Uh, did you guys notice at all that during the transformations, that like they would get really up close and you could see the detail where like right before, I believe, Vegeta turned Super Saiyan Blue, you see the, that hint of green that broly that aura that broly has you can see that green right before he transforms and they do the same thing with goku uh when he transforms i did see it with goku i did not see it with vegeta and i thought it was really interesting so i wonder what that means like it could be uh this is just a random thought that paragus described his transformation or like when he goes into that rage where he is tapping into like that Azaru ape transformation where he can't control himself anymore. This could be a way that they introduced Super Saiyan 4, because that's kind of like what Super Saiyan 4 was in GT. Could be something. I know I saw... Oh, go ahead, Eric. Oh, no. I'm, I'm listening in awe right now. It's just awesome hearing all this information here. <laughs> Well, I, I see what you're saying. Like, Super Saiyan 4 start off as the whole grape ape. Great, great ape. When, Grapes. Um, <laughs> uh, when Baby came into play, and uh, what was it? I'm trying to remember how it happened, but it is exactly what you're saying. Pretty much Super Saiyan Ozaru, and then Pan said, hey, it's cool, it's fine, and he just became Super Saiyan 4 instead. He shrunk down into that monkey thing. form yeah yeah <laughs> i think that was the proper term to the monkey thing yeah. yes Scientific that's that's officially canon 
I think that's probably what uh, Toriyama would have called it because he hated, like that was the big thing with Super Saiyan God, that he hated Super Saiyan 4. Uh, so it was just kind of a statement against it almost. Well, maybe. I mean, but I'm just saying it could be a hypothetical because mm-hmm. he made the comparison of him tapping into that inner ape. Yeah. But, and we got to see like everyone's turn that hint of green. Maybe that's just a form that you can obtain if you don't have the tail. It just, like you can, it's almost like if you, um, uh, I'm trying to come up with an analogy, but like when you light a fire, you only have to light it that once and then the fire spreads and you got to see that hint of green flash and then they transform. So it's like if they could just hold on to that first initial part where they turned green, they could maybe also obtain that form. Well, like the green saying, guys, I've been seeing that phrase being thrown around, especially because we got the green Super Saiyan, the blue Super Saiyan, red Super Saiyan for God, Super Saiyan God and all of those. Um, comparing what Vegeta and Goku showed for a quick second, and even Goku showed almost Ultra Instinct for a second too in this movie, Broly being pure green, and even Klefka, who we always considered the female Broly until this movie, as also that same green aura. Whenever we see the green aura, is whenever they are losing control. So I think it. I think you might be right on something with that, Jesse. That the green saying is them going into this, but because of everything Vegeta and Goku have been able to accomplish, they are able to control that power. While Klefka or Broly, as people who've never really fought that often just lose control this was like their major fights both in the uh universal arc and in this movie well it's definitely like kale's transfer what is it kale or kale yeah not klefka klefka was her sister or whatever clef the klefka witch and wonder i wish (laughs) but yeah no i mean that form was already something that was obtainable before but uh, I don't know. It could be just like a higher tier, and that's kind of how I perceive it. Because uh, Broly was able to keep up with Vegeta in his Super Saiyan form in his base form. Yeah. So you you could see that there's like, even though they were achieving these higher tiers of transformations, Broly was still able to keep up without actually transforming into something until later. He did transform later, maybe towards the end of the movie but and they made sure to mention that twice in that movie that he was in his base form until uh paragus died and it was when goku was like wow he's this strong keep it up with super saiyan woo and frieza also saying when is your son going to turn to super saiyan or something like that and he was just disappointed that broly couldn't become a super saiyan wait which yeah, that's... that's oh go ahead first well, I was just going to say Paragus was annoying, and I didn't like him in the movie, or Frieza, really. See, I was about to mention Frieza, and that was the big... This is the first time we've seen Frieza since the Universal Arc, and for yourself, you haven't seen a lot of... I mean, you saw the... Uh, what was it? Project Project F, was it? Resurrection F? Resurrection F. Uh, that was your only other times you've seen Frieza, correct? I, I've seen enough youtube clips but like his his main purpose in this movie was to provide commentary just to be contradicted like oh that's all he can do and then he would oh that was a surprise and then he'd hit a wall again and be like oh well it looks like your son's boring again and he would achieve at the next level of power and be like oh man that's really cool oh it looks like he yeah he sucks oh shit he's sweet well, I was thinking more about regarding what Frieza's doing. He, we haven't really been able to see Frieza do this more conniving, send-in soldiers type of thing until since like the Frieza saga. Like with Resurrection F, he trained for six months, became the same strength of a Super Saiyan God apparently, and then went to fight the Saiyans. Uh, in the uh, uni- multiverse destruction arc i'm not sure what the correct title is off the top of my head uh it was a very much in that same we try to see him as that conniving power but since he was also teaming with goku 
you also didn't really get to get that. So it felt like it was cool to see more of this like flushed out character in Frieza in this film. But at the same time, it almost felt like we we're kind of making him into just almost like the claw from Inspector Gadget to make a terrible comparison. It's just, it felt like he could have just said, I'll get you next time, monkey, at the end of the film. Next you know, time, about it. Gadget. Next time. Pretty much. <laughs> he was just kind of there for uh, comedic relief. and He took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, this is your other major experience outside the other films. I know you watched a little bit about Super. Are you planning on watching Super anytime in the future? This is to both you guys, Jesse and Eric. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, it's... You, you, I basically have a good understanding of what's going on in the show based on just some clips I saw on YouTube, and there, I definitely still have friends that are interested in the show, and they Oh, yeah, you know, Master Roshi apparently is one of the top ten strongest characters in the universe. And uh, anyone who hasn't watched Super hearing that already would probably be annoyed or dismissive of the fan service that's in that show. But Mm -hmm. I understand why people like it. I liked the fight scenes. It was cool. Eric? As for myself, I probably go the same route. Like, as much as I wish I could see, you know, the entire series from the beginning to end, I realistically just don't have the time. So, but I would like to be able to go ahead and at least see the pieces, like, you know, the main, I guess, the main, you know, stories, not like the side episodes, anything like that. Because, like I said, I used to be a diehard fan back in the day. And,. To even see that it made a comeback with um, this series, Dragon Ball Super, and as big as it is right now, not only that, but think about it, it's a Dragon Ball Z movie released in American theaters and it's doing yeah. well. So that's another thing that blew up. Like, if you were to do this like in the early 2000s, this would like slide, you know, slip right under the rug. Like, oh, it's a Dragon Ball Z movie, who cares? But for today, that's huge it to be doing as good as it is um so i definitely want to go ahead and uh, take a look at this and hopefully see the movie sometime down the line it's a great movie especially for the anime being brought to an enlarged american audience kind of level but also the fact that you know as you just kind of pointed out and i saw the stats everywhere about this about it's one of the top 10 best released uh animes in the united states and animes traditionally don't do well i want to guess and i'm pretty sure i'll be safe on this one too that pokemon the unless first... it's like a studio ghibli type movie then uh, it's really not going to do all that great see i was going to say pokemon the first movie is the best selling anime of yes. all time in the united states but sure studio ghibli too <laughs> i think that's <laughs> uh... yeah, pokemon definitely i was going to compare this to pokemon but i was like wait um as far because i was going to say like pokemon a negative life but no pokemon the first movie that was a uh, huge event, especially when that came out. Mm-hmm. As far as Pokemon 2000, that's when it started. Though. I was like, okay, we're getting tired of this. Just I'm pokied out right now. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I think it was number one in the box office on opening day. Uh, so I don't know exactly what its competition was, if there was anything else premiering around that time, but for it to be number one for at least two days, a day or two, mm-hmm. and having a limited uh, release... Because it wasn't available in all the movie theaters. You had to go to specific ones. I was like, I don't think MJR was showing it. I don't think AMC was showing it. I'm right now checking the stats, see uh, how these movies did in theaters. I know it was the number one selling movie day one, but it also debuted on a Wednesday. They made sure to debut it on a certain day of the week that was not comparable or not have any competition with anyone else. And it says over here that um, it's uh, open opening day. It made seven point three million. Yes, and compared right to up... Resurrection F, which was one point ninety seven million. Damn. And for the entire weekend itself, uh, I believe Glass came out on Friday. I don't know when the Upside came out. Aquaman came out months ago, but all three of those movies beat uh, Dragon Ball Super. And again, Glass just started out, so that makes sense. Uh, and 
Glass made 40.5 million over the weekend, the upside 15.1, 10.3 for Aquaman and Dragon Ball Super Broly for the entire weekend made 9.8 million. And as you said, Jesse, limited release while the other movies were everywhere. So that's very impressive. Oh yeah. Not sure if anything's got those other studios looking at it like, "Oh, we could uh we could do a little something with this here." Whoa. Last time somebody said that, we had Dragon Ball Evolution, so let's calm down. Oh, yep, yep, let's stop. Yeah, nibbing in the bud right there. Don't, don't even bring that <laughs> With um, Aaron Paul's uh, not-brother, I guess, whatever. All I remember is, like, veiny forehead. Uh, Justin Chatwin. Oh, God. Yeah, he was in uh, quite a few things after that movie. I know he was in uh, that series that everybody's watching on Netflix. I think it's from the Stars Network. With uh, William H. Macy. Um, I'd never really watched it. I got it in my head. Ah, dang, Nabbit. I'll figure that out later. Someone might know what I'm talking about offhand. But he was in that, and he was also in uh, an episode of Doctor Who, which is random. And I think that was about his big major things. I'm trying to... Who? Doctor Who. Uh. Uh, I'm talking about Justin Chatwin. I'm not sure if that was a real... Shameless. <laughs> Justin Chatwin is also in Shameless. That's the name of the show. Yeah, there is yeah. plenty of shame to follow his name. I've never seen the live-action movie. It's a good well, I don't want to get too into the live-action movie. Like, I remember just being so disappointed as a kid yeah. when I was like, oh, come on, man. Like, You could do better than this. But, oh, well. Speaking of the live-action movie, I'm going to bring this up for a short second before going to a different topic. Uh, we've been seeing a lot of the Captain Marvel movie. That's coming out in March. The trailer's coming out. And I was not the first person that saw it. I think someone else posted the comparison to me or whatever. The scrolls in the movie look so much like Piccolo <laughs> in Dragon Ball Evolution that it is bothersome. From the skin, the actual kind of DNA of the head from the costumes. What? <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> I think I saw you post a photo of that, and <laughs> I I really couldn't tell who was. That's <laughs> sad. Uh, I, I I know it's unintentional. I'm not going to think about Piccolo when watching this movie, but I just wanted to bring that up since we're talking about Dragon Ball, and we mentioned Justin <laughs> Chatwin for a bit, so it just kind of went off there. <laughs> We went from the good of Dragon Ball Z to the he hell shall not be named. Yeah, let's I'm, I'm, let's I'm, just keep that in a coffin somewhere. Still gonna re- it, it, okay. Okay. Uh, here's a question for you guys. Random question. Since we're talking terribly about Justin Chatwin, and, and I want to try and defend him a little bit on this one, but I'm not sure how successful I'm actually going to be on this. Who was actually worse for their franchise then? Would you say it was either A, Justin Chatwin, or B, and I'm really curious what your answer is going to be on this one, or Hayden Christensen for Star Wars? Um, Dragon Ball. Uh, I haven't seen the Dragon Ball movie. Right. And... I don't actually think Hayden Christensen, Christensen, whatever. I don't actually think Anakin. he's a, the <laughs> yeah. Anakin actor. I don't actually think he's that bad of an actor. I think the writing was just a little too campy, and it wasn't really his fault. So if you, I agree. He definitely act. I just think his lines were so awful that, <laughs> hey, could you like act in a way that seems like you don't know how to act yeah yeah sure can your acting be more coarse it's just the, the lines were so bad but i i don't think that has anything to do with him necessarily yeah i mean look at marky mark and what the hell was that movie that happening yeah no <laughs> what no i mean did you say bird box <laughs> uh, 
Do we want to talk Damn about it. Bird Box I right think, now? I think The Happening was my favorite Dragon Ball Z movie. It's good to talk um, to you again, Jesse. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Feelings mutual. Pretty much. Oh, hell. I know we also... But, uh, have... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, it doesn't really sound like there's much more to talk about for this Broly movie outside of some weird conspiracy things, but it, it's only in theaters until Thursday, and if you haven't seen it yet, it, that you'll be disappointed if you... Most of the time, though, Dragon Ball Z movies have a week yeah. to be in theaters in addition to their limited release, but it's if you haven't seen it in theaters, you'll be disappointed that you didn't. It's definitely a fun ride, and I, there's one more thing I want to bring up, and I'm glad you did bring up Dragon Ball one more time because we just went on so much of a tangent on that. Um, and that's really the artwork of this film. Uh, I know some people, Chris, Jesse, and mine's mutual friend brought it up that uh, I hope it's not bad like Super's artwork. And Super has some really terrible artwork and then has some amazing artwork near the end of the, uh, I guess we'll say series. We'll find out if we're going to get more Super after this movie, probably later this year. But this movie felt like it had the worst of Super, the best of Super, and then weird 1990s comic almost like you'd see in Hellboy or in the crow artwork once in a while which was really strange like it it was a visually interesting movie for what you're used to with dragon ball uh. jesse disagree agree uh, i mean <laughs> i haven't watched super so well i mean i thought, like looking I thought at the, the artwork was huh I was meaning, like, looking at what the artwork is in Super. Not comparing it to uh, Broly. Not comparing Broly to Super. But there was parts where it looked bad, parts that looked amazing, and parts that just was not something you've seen before in Dragon Ball. You know, honestly, it, it seemed like there was more than just one person behind the the creative scene. Because yeah. it looked like there was different art styles that were splashed into it where a lot of times the characters would look rubbery and just really silly and then there are other times where they were more defined and uh and then there are other times where they looked more computer generated like when uh vegeta and goku do their signature moves the galagun and kamehameha wave side by side they looked more animated like computer animated yeah cg or whatever yeah cg and then uh there's definitely a bunch of different art styles I think thrown into this movie and but I'm glad that there was I think that it wasn't too distracting but it made made it more enjoyable to watch mm -hmm. uh, like when the when they shattered the universe or whatever they did I was gonna mention that yeah that was distracting just for a fact that I didn't know what the heck happened but then I realized I liked it <laughs> they like blew up the the iceberg and made it into lava and then they changed the lava back into ice and then they broke the universe and then they put it back together it was it was a fun ride it might have been a little too long for a fight scene but it was cool there were parts in there that i was thinking this was going a bit too far but i agree and uh anything else we want to bring up regarding dragon ball i got one last thing and we could probably talk about our next topic i say go for it man Wait, where was Mr. Satan? <laughs> uh, just to really mention one more thing, and we mentioned it a bit ago. I think uh, Eric said it. Uh, Dragon Ball Z Battle of the Gods, when it came out in the United States in 2013, made $51 million. Resurrection F made $65 million. And this film, which Jesse said it's going to be in theaters probably until Thursday, has made a little over 90 million. So, so far, Christ. each of these films, despite having limited releases, have continued to make more and more money every single time. So, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the future. And I made this joke to myself, by myself, in the theater when I saw the 20th Century Fox logo. Is Boma <clears throat> now a Disney princess? 
Mm. That would be Chi-Chi because she's the daughter of the Ox King. So she's the Ox Princess now? Bulma's more of the the thought of the Dragon Ball Z universe. True. You call her a thought? (laughs) I'm sorry. I love me some Bulma, but come on. She's she's been passed around quite a bit. Only two guys that we know of. Exactly. That we know of. It's probably only those two. Quick timeline question. Uh, this is going to probably uh, get rid of all credibility that I have as a fan. But uh, Super takes... If we were to pretend that GT was canon, just for the sake of timeline, uh, was the last episode of Dragon Ball Z like super far into the future? So like Super takes place before the very last episode of Dragon Ball Z and also before before gt right gt was like 15 years in the future oh, I see super's like saying. five when uh oob and goku meet in the battlefield in that last episode the last third of that episode hmm. well is that even the last episode because i thought it was like uh pan as a yeah grandma a... or whatever oh no that's the last of gt oh okay it's been so long since i've seen the last episode of either the last episode of Dragon Ball Z, Ub and Goku meet. Pan's like a four-year-old in this martial arts tournament. And the ending of GT, Pan's a grandmother. Goku Jr. and Vegeta Jr. are fighting in the World Martial Arts Tournament Junior Division. Well, how old is Pan and Super? Uh, Pan? It's probably just a few months, maybe a year now. So okay. literally in that gap at the end of Soup Kid Buu being killed... And then it just jumped to the future where Goku and Oob meet in the future. That may be where Super is going, and GT would happen after Oob and Goku meet, essentially. So, like, technically GT is even farther in the future than where Super is at right now. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. I know it's not canon, but in the last episode of Dragon Ball Z is after the... Supposedly it's after the uh, Super series... Technically, if you if GT was canon, it actually fits in the timeline right now. But let's say it we're let's exclude GT for a second. Is the last episode of Dragon Ball Z after Super? It's in the middle, oh. just because it splits in half. But yes. Okay. So like literally that little gap between the martial arts tournament with Oob and Goku, and after Kid Buu dies, well, it would be right in the middle with where a super would be. The guy's name is Oob. I forgot all about that. He's it's, not worth remembering. It's Boo backwards. <laughs> I, I put that together, but still, Oob. They've done some good things with super. They've brought up um, in one of the Dragon Ball Z OVAs that Vegeta's brother exists. They brought that up in the movie. And they brought up before the World Martial Arts Multiverse Tournament thing that uh, Goku was looking for other great fighters, and he said, hey, wait a minute. Kid Buu is going to be reincarnated into a kid. Well, Vegeta pointed out if that was the case, he'd only be like six months right now. So it was interesting that they did bring that up, though. Uh, We didn't see, like, uh, Goku transform into that whatever Ultra Instinct in this Mm -hmm. movie. Uh, because th- he had to, he had to do that in order to beat Jiren, right? Yeah. Uh, so between Ultra Instinct is the only way Goku was able to defeat Jiren, and the fact that Klefka, uh, Kale, I don't know why I keep saying Klefka, the fusion didn't do it, but Kale, Kale. <laughs> as the uh, ultimate Super Saiyan, was beating the crap out of Super Saiyan Blue, Goku. And then Jiren could one-shot Kale, would tell me that Jiren would technically be more powerful than Broly, but Broly's probably more powerful than Kale by X amount. Not by a lot, but Broly can beat Super Saiyan Blue, but so can Kale, and Jiren can beat Kale, so I assume Jiren can beat Broly. Damn. Okay, but the... uh, I don't think there's power levels anymore, because it's just too absurd. I think I don't know if that if they do follow that anymore. This but was the, it, oh, go ahead. 
But they they did fuse in the in the show before to fight Goku Black. Yeah. Right. Did they yeah. fuse at all to fight Jiren, or did they not have access to those Patara earrings or whatever they're called? Uh, they had access to it, but one of them got smashed before they could actually put them both on. Okay. So that would have been a good way to verify whether or not. Uh, if Jiren was more powerful or weaker than Broly. Yeah, like if he was still getting like handled by them fusing. I think I think somewhere in the canon universe of the show they said that uh the fusion dance is a stronger transformation than the the earrings. Is that true? Do you remember? I don't remember offhand. Um I can tell you one of the things they added in uh, super when Vegito came about because Gogeta is through the Giants uh, and Vegito through the Potera rings uh, earrings. Um, when Vegito fused because he was so powerful and not a god, they did eventually disfuse after 15 minutes. I think it was. While Gogeta's dance, it will always be 30 minutes no matter what. Apparently, I'm confused. What? <laughs> When they, brought so, the, when they brought Vegito back, uh, they could only be fused for 15 minutes because A, they're too powerful, and B, they're not gods. Uh, so, But isn't their transformation a god transformation? They're humans that be turned into Super Saiyan 4, but they're not actually Kais or whatever the hell that race four? is called. Or you mean god? Essentially, the way Supreme Kai and Old Kai said it was because they're not their race, the Kai race, that uh, the rings did not work for them forever like it worked for the Saiyans. So if they transformed into Super Saiyan Blue, there is a time limit? Pretty much. Oh. So it's it wasn't as permanent as we thought? Essentially. And technically, the fact that the time limit shrunk essentially with Vegito while with Gogeta was always 30 minutes I guess you could say Gogeta is more powerful than Vegito just because Gogeta can last longer I okay that's what's it's just a theory there's no actual proof in me I'm just saying crap to fill time (laughs) (laughs) I was like I guess one hour is stronger than 30 minutes because it's an hour exactly (laughs) oh I mean, if you got a fire was, that can go for a good hour versus a fire that can go for a good 30 minutes, who's going to win? Well, if you can get the job done <laughs> in, in 15 minutes, does sure. it matter? Uh, that's I don't, I don't remember. If, I remember them saying something like that. Maybe that was in a non-canon movie. Uh, does, does, that mean, uh, does that mean Broly, the Broly movie, is not canon because it's a movie and all their movies are not canon? Well, by the looks of things, because uh, Golden Frieza is still canon, Beerus is still canon, and the way they treated Broly in this movie, I think Broly is going to be officially canon from here on out. Because one of the big differences with this compared to, say, the Bardock movie, which they completely erased as its canonness, is that... Toriyama was 100% behind the creation of this movie while Toriyama was not behind the original concept of Broly or the Bardock movie for that matter. Uh, the Bardock, there's two Bardock movies. Which one are you talking about? Neither, both, neither one of them are canon and one of them's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I, I think that's, I think that's all my questions. Uh, yeah, uh, that one chick was annoying. She was awful. Green Boma? Yeah, sure. I, I don't remember her name. She was just Green Boma to me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, I think that that answers all my questions, I guess. Uh, I'm still wish to know if Jiren was actually stronger than Broly. And I hope There's he... nothing concrete to prove it. I'd like to see them fight one day. Yeah. And I think we will have the opportunity in the future, especially if Jiren uh, Broly does turn out to be canon. And canon, and we get to see him again in the future, which would be great. 
when they made actually i do have two more questions okay when they had this universe of power or whatever tournament of power with these universes mm -hmm. uh beerus was looking for all the strongest people in the universe because he knows who everyone is right no he doesn't know who everyone is no he didn't look at all oh so he just asked goku to look for everyone Pretty much after it was decided this turn was going to happen, Beerus said, I'm going to wait, enjoy my last 30 minutes of living, eating all the best food out there. Goku, you find the best 10 fighters in the universe. Oh, so he didn't have expectations of winning at all? Yeah, he just accepted his fate, and Goku had to find 10 fighters. That was it. Oh, then never mind. I thought, like, if Beerus knew who the, they were, why didn't he just go get Broly? But never mind. Yeah. That, that's that's all from me. Okay. <laughs> but one more thing. Okay. No, I'm kidding. All right. Uh, so one of the other topics, and you'll probably see it in our thumbnail too, is uh, Resident Evil 2. Now, there's been some big games coming out this month. Uh, I know Kingdom Hearts 3 is coming out this week, for example. No More Heroes. Reese, wow. No More Heroes <laughs> recently came out with a game. I have yet to purchase it. Uh, but the big one that everyone's talking about, especially after the one-shot demo, is Resident Evil 2, the big horror franchise that really kicked off all of the modern horror games back in the PlayStation 1 era. And they're making a remake of their second one, which, going to be honest, I played an N64, not on the PS1. And I know, Eric, this was a topic you wanted to bring up. How does the new Resident Evil game fare to you? All right. So before we get into that, when I started playing Resident Evil, well, specifically, this was the first one I ever played in the series. I ended up borrowing it from a friend of mine back in, I want to say, 98, 99. Uh, PS1? PS1, actually, yes. Um, the original, you know, original release for it, not the DualShock or any, you know, special yeah. edition like that. And at the time, we thought, okay, it's, you know, you got a gun, zombies, kill them, that's it. We had no idea what survival horror meant, hoarding, you know, ammo, saving ammo, running away from enemies that, you know, you clearly didn't need to kill. And it was... Excellent. It scared the hell out of me as a kid. Um, and we did have a strategy guide at the time. It was, um, luckily, it was one of those, like, uh, how they have, you know, a PlayStation magazine, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And had all 16-page strategy guides to beat Resident Evil 2. And that was a rarity to find in those days. But even with the strategy guide telling you, oh, in this room, you have ammo here, you got ammo there, watch out, there's three zombies here. We, it still took us over a year to beat the damn thing. <laughs> Um, just because, again, we did not conserve ammo, and by the time we got to the second boss, we had five bullets in our pistol and a knife, and no health whatsoever, because we would go through that every time we pick one up, and it was a catastrophe. But, um, yeah, as you mentioned, the Resident Evil 2 one-shot demo got released um, just a couple days ago. And my biggest thing about uh, when it finally got announced last year, when that this was coming out, was I wanted to avoid. I wanted to go into the game blind, basically. I'm not going to read any articles, say any you know gameplay or anything like that. Didn't work out that well, did it? Of course, I did. End up seeing the same day they announced it. They also had like oh, 15 minutes of exclusive um, gameplay footage. So of course, you know, I had to watch. And I liked what I saw, and then when I saw the chance to play the demo, downloaded it, played it right then. And for those who don't know about the one-shot demo, is that um, everything is exactly in the name. You have one shot to complete the mission, and you have 30 minutes to do so. Once the 30 minutes are up, that's the end of the demo. You can't play it anymore. Uh, unless you have, you know, multiple play PS, um, PlayStation accounts or Steam accounts, then, you know, have at it. Yeah. But you always have the 30-minute time limit. I know I've now, had to uh, experience the game on PC and then experience on Xbox, so I guess I had an hour. <laughs> How far did you get in that? Did you manage to uh, complete it? Uh, I completed it the first time on PC, and then I just explored it on my friend's Xbox. So hey, That's basically what I did with the last uh, seven minutes that I had. And I 
enjoy the only thing I was disappointed in myself about was like I said, I saw like all oh, exclusive 15 minutes of the you know game. It ended up being the same exact scenario playing the demo. So I already know in my head what to do, where to go, that kind of thing. But even still, to actually have the game in my hand and be able to play it, plus the anxiety of like, okay, time is, you know, not on your side. You have to get through this quick. I'm I'm definitely buying this thing. And it was it surpassed everything that I thought it was gonna be. A lot of people were complaining that, oh, it doesn't have the, you know, fixed camera angles and has the, you know, the Resident Evil 4 over the over the shoulder camera. Like, how is that gonna be scary? No, it it really works yeah. for what it does. Especially as claustrophobic as the hallways are, like they're really tight in. You have three zombies coming in front of you, one from behind, you're gonna freak out. It it gets real intense playing that. So I'm definitely looking forward to this, the full game later on this week. Definitely going to buy that to spend all night with it. And even what you were saying right there, that was something that I myself was very concerned about, that they're making a remake, but it wasn't like Resident Evil 2 when they first did it. They were focused on making the environment and then you just went through it. And this time they weren't going to do that same kind of thing. But they did so much more focus and the sound design is so good like that's where all your fear is going on you can't really see what's going on too much because most of the time you have a flashlight to see where you're going but it's the Mm -hmm. sounds the water dripping the moaning in the background the banging and you don't know what's going on around you that did so much better compared to what the original did and definitely a good part of it is the fact that it was on a ps1 and an n64 it was limited to what it could do back then but it it did it really well, scaring you and putting you in this atmosphere. And, and even with the limitations of um those uh, systems there, it still produced a scary game. It did. I'm just saying that the fear that you were not going to have that same environment that it did before is so exciting to what they were able to do finally with this new game. And I don't think it's going to get like any of that game of the year status or anything like, thing like that. Like, God of War, immediately everyone said, oh, best game ever or whatever. Same with Red Dead. But I will find out more when the game comes out later this week, though. And I'm definitely looking forward to spending my time, especially how they they kind of trick you. Because I remember when um, you had to take the knife to open the box to lift the gate up. And if you remember for the original game where you meet uh, the liquor for the first time, going through the hallway, he's climbing, you know, on the ceiling that jumps down. And then in the remake, where you're going through that same hallway, you expect to see him come down, but he doesn't. It fakes you. You see um, a zombie hanging from the ceiling, and, you know, you still go through your way through the hallway as um, you normally would. A zombie breaks through the window. um, And as you get to the third floor, that's when you see the liquor, you know, crawl across the window. But you don't actually get to, you know have a battle with him just yet mm-hmm. so not only that but the fact that the police station has a third floor also adds another dynamic to it like okay it's a completely new spot i've never seen before and who knows you know what's going to be hopping around the corner coming through the ceiling underneath you um or hell hiding inside the locker mm-hmm. that actually scared the hell out of me when i opened the locker and the zombie came out <laughs> i kind of jumped a little bit but it i'm definitely looking uh i i'm just a hype of this thing i can't get over like i was just playing earlier tonight playing the original one uh, on live stream on facebook and being able to go through that trying to beat uh, the record like a little speed run for it and just can't wait to see like certain environments like the boss of the alligator in the sewer um the only thing i did hear that I guess not exactly a spoilers. I was just kind of uh, bummed out as I one of the enemies in the original game is not going to be part of it, which are the giant spiders. That's fine. <laughs> like spiders creep me out. I want to see a spider in full high definition. Like the closest one I got to that was um, like in the early 2000s, they remade Resident Evil 1. And even that one had fixed camera angles. Um, a lot of people were playing like, oh, why couldn't they just, you know, follow the same route of Resident Evil 1 and do the same thing like that? Mm-hmm. Which would have been a cool idea. But the fact that they're even using the um, the RE engine that they use for Resident Evil 7, um, I prefer the way they're going with this. I mean, in a way, I kind of see it two different styles of 
because Resident Evil 1, you know, you're in a mansion. It's very non-linear. There's so many ways to, you know, complete the puzzles. And with this, I always found it more action-oriented. Um, yeah. And then Resident Evil 3 came around, and 4, 5, 6, and let's not talk about 6. <laughs> 6 trying to accomplish too much. I'll give them a lot of credit for 6. For 1, and do so much at once, but... Uh, looking at what you're saying with number two compared to the past and really the big thing with number two it feels like is that you kind of brought up a little bit that you saw the liquor in the window on the third floor versus the hallway well another thing that was different and i don't know when this game actually starts but for example the officer you find marshall is that his name um, do you mean Leon? No, uh, the officer you find at no, the police um, station. Uh, Brennan something. Uh, I feel like an idiot. How do I not know his name? Uh, because Marvin, not, Marvin Brennan. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Marvin. Uh, Marvin, when you see him in Resident Evil 2, he's literally just laid up against a locker trying to just live. And actually points the gun at your head to sit, tell you to leave him there. Don't try and be a hero. Well, in this game, he's actually more active. He's actually saved your life. And even in Resident Evil 2, granted, we don't know if this is the beginning of the game or if it begins elsewhere. Uh, in the original one, you're driving to Raccoon City. You get into an accident because you were about to hit a person you thought that turned out to be a zombie. Then you just kind of get around the city till you get to the police station. And even met a guy in a gun shop that you accidentally kill because whoops zombies yep kendo (laughs) it makes me think that they're changing the story in numerous ways for this especially if they cut out that part in the upcoming game one of the things a lot of people really wanted to see implemented into this remake was a chance for them to utilize a lot of stuff they cut off from the original resident evil 2 you are aware of resident evil 1.5 correct I haven't played it, but I know it exists. Yes. Um, so for those who don't know, Resident Evil 1.5 was what Resident Evil 2 was originally going to be. So instead of, um, as uh, Sean was describing, Leon drives to the city, um, gets out the car because he's about to you know, run somebody over. It turns out to be a zombie. Um, Leon's already at the police station. And he's helping the other police officers you know, try to protect the city and from the zombies uh, going crazy. And a lot of people wanted to see uh, a lot of the enemies that ended up being cut from the game. Like one of them was a zombified gorilla, which that sounds great. Sounds pretty intense. Um, another one was I'm not sure if that was a copyright or anything. Uh, the Spider Man, which um, ended up um, getting scrapped and replaced with uh, the liquor. And a Spider Man, you could imagine just um, human legs. And the spider's abdomen, like where the crotch, I guess, is. So that seems kind of phallic. Um, I'm not too sure how they got away with that. And then just the rest of the spider's body, like um, instead of eight arms, it was like four and just a giant spider head coming at you. And that seemed pretty creepy. And that would have been pretty awesome for them to add that into the game. But they've already stated they're really not going to utilize anything for 1.5 other than the extra costume that clay redfield has which belongs to eliza walker who was an original character for 1.5 yeah and a little another comparison regarding what resident evil 1.5 was wasn't maybe i'm confusing this wasn't there also a character one of the officers there that kind of snuck through the tunnel underneath the statue or was that another game no that um that wasn't 1.5 that was out file 2 um now, that is a game that, besides Resident Evil 2, that fans have been begging Capcom to definitely remake, and that would be an awesome one, because that was the only Resident Evil game that was playable online. And um, there are fans who actually still have their own private servers who still play the game online. Um, and exactly as you mentioned, they um, it takes place um, in the same Raccoon City police station, uh, roughly before Leon shows up. And um, they go ahead, like, uh, one of the statues in the main hallway. Um, they actually utilize that from in the remake from Outbreak File 2. Like, oh, the statue opens up. There's some kind of tunnel you can dig through. And the character in Outbreak File 2 digs through the tunnel, comes out with some big police van, and breaks through the front gate. 
and rescues the survivors. And as the storyline progresses, you see the van driving down the street, and there's another police car going right by it. And inside that police car is actually Leon and Claire on the way to the RPD. I was like, oh, okay, it's a little uh, nod to the second game right there. But that's pretty cool that they're adding, you know, from uh, Outbreak on there. So a little bit of everything. That I guess they try to do a little fan service for everybody. I can definitely see that. And really, you're looking at really combining these two topics we had tonight. Uh, everything Broly did with the Ginyu Force to Zarbon to Broly himself. And Resident Evil 2, seeing what you saw with a File 2 or 1.5, we are being sold our childhood again, and we're doing it with smiles. <laughs> definitely. And now the kids who they were selling this product to, you know, have their own disposable income. Like, oh, okay, go ahead, buy all this stuff now. And yeah. <laughs> so definitely, <laughs> because think about like um, the movies, like the Dragon Ball Z ones, they started like, okay, got here, they got a little extra money. Oh, Broly, oh, they're all adults now. Let's, they're all going to come to the theaters on their own. They don't need to you know, take the bus or ask their parents. And so they just go ahead, oh, I'm buying all the tickets, buying all the popcorn for it. <laughs> Which, I, I, one more thing about Broly, and Jess, you may giggle at this too. Before the movie started, we saw a bunch of trailers, at least myself, for Nickelodeon Movie A, Nickelodeon Movie B, uh, Child Movie C, and then you got Vegeta screaming, you're a dumbass in the film. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought it was hilarious. Like, they clearly took this as a kid's movie, and then you had this crap going on. (laughs) The swearing wasn't too bad. It wasn't, but compared to let's say the ugly dolls uh <laughs> the like wasn't dragon ball z um like didn't they have a series like kai wasn't it shown on nickelodeon at one point yes so that didn't I, last very long did it uh it was on nicktoons i think and then it got moved to adult swim but like uh there dragon ball is not very kid friendly neither is resident evil for that matter no not at all <laughs> Uh, I'm getting more back in Resident Evil, uh, kid-friendly, quote-unquote. I know we got we went way too much in Dragon Ball, so I apologize to you about that, Eric. Oh, no, it's all good, man. Uh, looking at what we were seeing with Resident Evil, I will say, <laughs> kid-friendly, the game is beautiful if you enjoy gore. When you saw the police officer get pulled out from underneath, or yes. when you saw the other one just sitting in the corner, you moved his head and his jaw just drops, just like, oh, nice. <laughs> Not only that, just the character models themselves is just freaking like you, like even today, I still get impressed with the graphics that they, you know, these people are able to come up with. It's. Mm-hmm just jog drop not only that they even released um a new dlc pack um the polygon mode that you can use the original polygon models from the original resident evil as uh leon and claire (laughs) that's terrible that's gonna be awesome (laughs) and i know the big thing that i'm kind of excited about and it's in the trailer hunk eh and tofu tofu yes <laughs> uh, for those who don't know resident evil 2 had a character you could play called tofu who is literally a bar of tofu that you play the game through with it's it's great <laughs> with uh little floating hands rayman style yeah equipped with only a knife and a police officer's hat and he speaks in japanese well i mean if you think about it Zombies like brains, and tofu is probably the opposite of brains. So it's bean. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a letter off or two. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, Resident Evil Two. I think it's going to do really well this year. As far as the gameplay was gorgeous, the actual suspense was far better than I thought it was going to do, and it's going to essentially be like a. I'm going to say half retail and half uh, remake because there's going to be a lot of parts of this game going to be different just because of the fact that the Resident Evil timeline, I had to do a little bit of research on this, has changed so much since then from what the original game was back in the PS1 to Resident Evil 7 Biohazard, which was a fantastic game. But I like enjoyed I said, it. 
it's become a very different realm regarding the Resident Evil franchise. So I do expect a lot of things to change in the canon sense regarding this game. Definitely. I remember during the uh, Resident Evil 7, people were saying, oh, that's not Chris Redfield, because you know, the DLC was saying, you know, not a hero, and that they were comparing his character model to the one in Resident Evil 5. I'm like, mm-hmm. But compare his character model to the first Resident Evil, it looks they look nothing alike so like i still believe that to be chris redfield i'm even though the ending for seven i it pissed me off because it left me with more questions than answers even with the dlc coming out and that just made me upset but (laughs) i know there's somewhere in the game in resident evil 7 there's a magazine you can find where if you read the text it says the events of raccoon city 16 years ago so seven is supposed to be 16 years after the second game and um there's even that same exact magazine as well. <laughs> yeah it's in uh the two remake which okay i'm confused about your timeline now sir flux capacitor i guess i don't know it took that somebody kept uh, to 88 <laughs> i'm guessing it was just going to be an easter egg and not supposed to be taken seriously or it's only in the demo and it won't be found in the full game one of the two exactly and yeah i'm Guess kudos to Capcom for finally doing this. I remember there was yeah. another group of folks who were attempting their own remake for the computer, taking the assets from Resident Evil The Dark Side Chronicles, and Capcom actually told them to stop uh, with the remake and instead um, got that entire team together, flew them over to Japan, showed them that, hey, look, we're actually working on a remake for Resident Evil, got their input, for the game like oh you know what should we add what should we do over here basically gave them a dream vacation as like that's freaking awesome so with that really again i apologize to you eric we went over time with the dragon ball conversation (laughs) but that's really about it for really this first adventure with project jeeb so i want to thank eric and jesse so much for joining me on this first episode but uh Yo. <laughs> so if you get it, so if you guys personally, if you want, I know Eric, you do some Twitch stuff, and Jesse, I think you still do some Twitch. If you guys got the Twitter, Instagram, whatever you want people to follow you, feel free to plug that real quick. Uh, it's in the description below. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> As for myself, um, if you do want to follow, follow that guy with the beard underscore at Instagram. Um, as far as the streaming stuff, I haven't officially done like, you know, Twitch or anything like that, but, um, within time, you know, in the description below, we'll go ahead and add that on there sometime soon. <laughs> All right, cool. And in the future, we're going to hopefully do another episode next week. I know we've been talking a lot about the DC animated universe, uh, yes. a series that was close to my heart growing up, Jesse and myself would debate a lot about this shows all these shows growing up eric i know you and i haven't been able to be as close over the last years you were a big fan of the dcau as well batman beyond um batman the animated but more batman beyond was my thing that that still holds a you know huge piece of my i've been wanting to get the uh terry mcginnis batman logo tattooed somewhere so that's how much i was dedicated to that damn show especially the movie return of the joker that was pretty awesome too nerd Anyway, <laughs> but again, thank you so oh, much for <laughs> thank you so much for joining us this week, and hopefully we can get things together and maybe do some more in the future. The man who sleeps on the floor can't possibly fall out of bed. Doodles. See ya.